Hi, welcome to Date Night. This is the Season 1 Catch-Up episode. It's intent to give you a general overview of Season 1 so that you can jump right into Season 2 and know what our characters are up to. It's a general summary and doesn't contain every detail, just the ones most pertinent to this season. That being said, it does contain spoilers for Season 1. If you plan to go back and listen before starting Season 2, please be aware of that. But if you want to jump right into the new audio quality in the next leg of the adventure in Episode 1 of Season 2, or just want a refresher of what's happened over the last year and a half, here it goes. Kira Silverthorne, a half-elf ranger from the western wilds north of the Fertile Cradle, began her story in a small coastal town on a quest to find her mother, Nivara, an elf who had left when she was still a child. That quest brought her to the nearby city of Silverleaf, a beautiful but abandoned treetop amalgamation of bridges and treehouses crafted over a flooded mine that created deep, sparkling pools that reflected the beauty of the treetop city. There, Kira encountered the ghost of a dwarf by the name of Glyn Rockseeker and obtained his journal. It was written in Dwarvish and became sealed by magic when she left the city, but Kira did find evidence of her mother in the carvings of Glyn and Nivara's names in the main structure of the city. Kira returned to the coastal town, where she was captured by a raiding party of orcs that stormed the mainland on stolen ships. Durin Hammerstone began his life in Kufo, a dwarven city in the mountains not far from the coastal town where Kira was captured. Durin, a fairly young dwarf paladin from the Temple of Lawbringers, received a dream from the goddess of balance, Atalanta. She asked him to relieve his uncle of the task of taking the city's shipment of ore from the local mine to the docks. When he did, Durin was assaulted by a similar orc raid to the one that captured Kira, and despite a few desperate swings of his hammer, found himself captured as well. Kira met Durin when they were transferred from the smaller raiding ships onto a cargo ship in the Baccarin Sea en route to the island of Limoges, where the orcs hailed from. They were sold at auction in Slaver's Bay to a pit fighting ring, and after showing their metal, were purchased by a tiefling in search of protection on a journey to a nearby shrine. Upon preparing to depart, Arin, daughter of Bloodfang, and the gnome Grease Wizard, uh... arrived from dimensional portals in the vicinity and ended up accompanying Dern, Kira, and Freeman, the tiefling, to the shrine. And we came and we went a lot. After helping a self-described halfling merchant by the name of Kip Weedpuller get to his destination, eventually our party of travelers came upon the shrine, which was being corrupted by members of the Cult of the Black Hand. Freeman cleansed the shrine and used it to access the Feywild. Our party, now free, made their way to the nearby village of Raventree, a village under the threat of bandits who were set to return to take the villagers' harvest of rice. At behest of the town shaman, Sator, I went and secured a battle-hardened former general named Akagi as an ally, single-handedly. <coughs> <coughs> well, with a little help from Kira and Dern. Then we defended the city from the bandits and became local heroes. But not before losing Akagi in the fight. While traveling to and from Raventree, our heroes had discovered a blight on the surrounding land. After the threat of bandits had passed, they were able to better focus on discovering its source and went to investigate a local temple called the Temple of the First Land. There they discovered a powerful stone of undying, just having been corrupted by a member of the Cult of the Black Hand, who revealed that some great power in the south, near the Crystal Lakes, was rising and spreading blight across the land, and that the cult was acting to clear the way for her here in the north. Traveling with the cult was Kip Weedpuller, disguised as a Kenku. 
He informed the party that he was investigating the cult, and that was the real reason he was near the shrine when they first met him. He told them that the stone would need to be cleansed, and that in the meantime, he would go to the Trade Triangle, a set of cities east of Raventree, to see what he could find out about the cult, as he had learned that they were somewhere in the area. Durin shouldered the burden of the corrupted stone and brought it back to Raventree in hopes that Sator could cleanse it. Along the way, all of the creatures that we had battled to get to the temple were brought back to life by the stone, now corrupted to be a stone of undeath. The land around us wilted, and the Raventree, a supernatural center to the village of the same name, sent us messages that the corruption in the land was killing her. Arin and I helped our friends make it back as far as we could before we were called away from the dimensional portals for still unknown reasons. Then, Dern and Kira arrived in Raventree. Unfortunately, the power of the stone caused Akagi to rise from his grave. He slew Sator before we could destroy him, and we cleansed the stone in the blood of the shaman, restoring it to one of purity and saving the tree from undeath. But the blight in the surrounding lands remained. Kip had informed the party that the cult had also done something to the Stone of Light in the Temple of the Second Land. We went to investigate there and managed to remove the stone from the corrupted pool that fed Kama Creek and eventually also the Kokiku River that ran through Raven Tree and many of the nearby cities. With absolutely no knowledge of how to cleanse it, we brought it to a hag who had the knowledge of the abandoned Temple of the First Land in her library. And instead of making a deal, we managed to kill the hag and find the book we were looking for. With the help of a Modron named Kamen Coggles-6 that occasionally came and went through similar dimensional portals to the ones that Aaron and the Grease Wizard arrived through, we fought our way out of the shadowy defenses of the hag's property and back to Raventree where we were able to purify the second stone and remove the second form of light, some sort of creeping shadow, that had been growing downstream of the areas fed by the corrupted pool. Then the party went to the Trade Triangle in search of Kip. Finding a halfling who loves disguises proved to be quite a challenge, but eventually they found him, and with him, news about the location of the cult's headquarters in the largest city in the area, Silver's Blessing. Dern and Kip went into the city in hopes of stirring up enough trouble to get noticed by the cult, and after collapsing the financial district and burning down a temple, they did. They escaped from the cult's headquarters with knowledge that the cult had split and the location of the leader of the largest portion, Tashi, a.k.a. Brassbeak. Brassbeak was in the Painted Valley, a poisoned region bursting with fumaroles that lay between Silver's Blessing and the temporary resting place of a city called Albagula, one that rode on the back of a giant dragon turtle. And one that I had managed to obtain an invitation to, one where we could compete in Takashi's games in order to win an audience with the sea elf, and receive either a treasure or a heart's desire or knowledge of the task ahead. Eventually, we were able to traverse a valley and kill Brassbeak. We discovered that his plans were to hatch a baby dragon turtle to give the powerful entity that dwelled in the south near the Crystal Lakes, and thereby ingratiate himself and the cult to her and quicken the rebuilding of the world from the metaphorical ashes of her destruction. Kip wanted the dragon turtle, either to bring it to his grove or return it to Albagula, We weren't quite sure which. We stopped him and tried to shackle him. After receiving a few insults, a previous accidental spear injury, and an attack by a mechanical bug summoned by the party, the idea of being shackled was too much, and Kip flew off into the night as an owl. With the help of Maximilian, 
a goblin merchant that followed us around to pick up the scraps of the battles we left behind, we, along with Kalman Coggles-6, made our way to Albagula. We presented the invitation and received a welcome into the city. Arin snuck the dragon turtle into the city, and we set out to see the sights and try our luck in the games. And I have a thunderhorn. And that's where we will pick up in Season 2. Thanks for listening to this catch-up episode. We hope you will enjoy all the action of Season 2, including the Takashi's Castle-style games that will kick off the season. Welcome to Date Night. I'm Will, your friendly neighborhood game mom, a.k.a. your GM. That was a little joke. Wink. Did you just blink? No, I said wink. Oh. Because no one really can tell when I'm winking or blinking. So I, now I just say wink. And I'm Amy, and I play Kira. I'm married to Will. Kira, you look around, and you are in the middle. Oh, just please roll a perception check at disadvantage while you're tripping. Six. So eight. There are a bunch one. of weird little creatures, and you're pretty sure they want to kill you. Let's play soccer! Can I see what she's actually doing? You're going to head over that yeah, way? Yeah, me so too. You guys head over, and you see that she's in the middle of the snail racing track. <laughs> <laughs> but everybody is just roaring in laughter as this elf is kicking snails out of the snail racing track <laughs> and just stepped on one, slipped, and pratfalled on her butt. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Will's nephew. I'm Sam, and I play the Grease Wizard. Uh, we can have lunch, and I can discuss your itinerary, Captain. Um, Captain Magic? Captain King of Magic. King, Captain, King of... King, Captain King? Captain King of Magic. Captain King of Magic? Yes. Believe it or not, this is his least complicated name. <laughs> I'm Eva, I'm married to Sam, and I play Arin, the half-orc barbarian. Not Why are lot. we supposed to bring the... It's just what it's it, called lay down in the dirt and shut up. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> Camping with R. <laughs> I'm Mike. I'm the fifth wheel, and I play Darren Hammerstone. And when Do I return game? to my people, I will be their Thunder King. This is I love this idea. All right. oh, very, very, very good. Uh, would you need um, anything else? Perhaps we have a fine variety of um, um uh, how you would say, tribumity uh, things. Um, yes, please. Would anybody care for a pistol or, yes, please. or grenades? Yes, please. I know you guys haven't played these characters much lately, and we haven't played D&D in over a month, but just uh, let me clarify the situation. Your characters are used to breathing air, and right now, <laughs> they, right now they can't. You're entirely submerged in water. The Welcome back to going. Dungeons & Dragons. <laughs> the timer is I going. I cast all... All right, I will slice my hand open okay. and, and put like make like a little pile of blood on the on like in a little cup. Define okay. pile of blood. <laughs> That's my favorite think, metal band. I don't think you know how blood works. <laughs> <laughs> they were at Warped Tour, I think. So you can look up and see kind yeah. of this noseless, skeletal face, kind of red skull looking face, but just in gray here in the darkness uh, underneath this hood who just is piloting the boat between Arin and Kira just as these ripples of something are extending out like a couple things jumped off the boat 
Okay, so I have six seconds. Uh, skeleton boatman seals. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? Well, we have to sabotage the pie. Why can't she just throw it out the window? Because then she'll make more. We need to think she has the perfect pie, so when she submits it... Can't you just take all the lemons? Oh shit, that's a good idea. You'll have to leave your weapons here. Okay. Wait, even this one? Um, yeah. Okay. Put them all down. Don't lose them. I wouldn't have. But I am... After she goes through, I'm looking through her inventory. I'm helping. Okay, so that's two short swords, my bow, and a dagger, and I think a hatchet. My extra spare longbow, my quarterstaff, hand axe. <laughs> <laughs> just, you don't even know she has all these things behind her cloak. Clack, she clack. didn't even know she had them. She has like this giant Swiss army knife looking thing. And just <laughs> all right. Um, well, you're invited. Okay. Bye. And Come I step forward. Right. <laughs> Suckers. This is, bullshit. this is racist. I don't really care. Zev immediately picks up the other bow and tries to do some We're, shots. We with need it. some. You, you, need to you have... don't hear that. You don't. You don't know. I like it. I, li- I like all of her items. And you cut your tongue off. <laughs> Just on the handles. Okay. Boys, please. This is fun. <laughs> this is great. Some this bonding. is much better than your javelin. Just... Zev, you're gonna have to go pick those up. I don't know where they went. <laughs> <laughs> you went to bed GW you're actually awoken by somebody taking your collar picking you up slamming you down Oof. on the up against the wall next to the bed your head smacks into the wall thunder wave you wake up just in time to feel that and see henna go flying 10 feet back across the room and just what the bloody heck are you wall. doing look since we came through that gate been in my head. It's not funny. Stop being a little shit. If I hear it again, I'm coming for you. Decisions aren't as singular or final as we all pretend they are. Each is a compilation of a thousand preceding whispers of our inner voices and the infinite number of echoes that they create. And as he says that you can actually hear his voice echo back off of the walls as they move again and again, softer and softer until it's empty. He says, those echoes, indistinguishable from those inner voices that we all have, resonate in our minds and the minds of our children and their children and their children and theirs into eternity. So that no decision is ours alone and no choice is permanent. And that choice is imminent again. But this time, and even I don't know how, fiends and celestials, in the guise of mortals, and indistinguishable by all but the most potent of magics, are influencing the game. This is Date Night, Season 2.